Welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is our special series on healthy churches, a series we're doing through the summer in lieu of the fact that we're not doing our typical uh, rhythm of podcasts. So we're glad you're tuning in, glad you're listening, and hopefully you learn a lot about our philosophy uh, and the things that we strive for and the things that we believe uh, help us to be healthy and do church well together. Uh, This week we are talking about expository preaching, not experiential preaching, (laughs) not exponential preaching. Ooh, exponential. (laughs) But expository. And maybe we could just start right there. What is expository preaching? I know for me, like when uh, a lot of those words started getting thrown around, I, I didn't have like a really clear grasp of the difference between expository and exegetical. Hmm. Uh, you know, like the, they're just words that uh, unless you have looked into the specific meaning of those words, they sometimes just get jumbled up when it comes to preaching and, and Bible teaching. Uh, so well, let's start right there. What is it? What? Well, well, how would you define those two things or I mean, show them as different exegetical expositional? Uh, well, so it, honestly, in my mind, they're mixed up often or they're, um, they're related for sure. They're related, but they're mixed up. Exegetical, uh, usually I think of as more as like the study of getting to, uh, kind of the root meaning mm-hmm. of the original author's intent and the culture. Um, and that's really a portion of expository Mm. preaching. Um, And I think that's why they get mixed up because sometimes it feels like people are talking about the same thing. But honestly, it's probably a lot of people in our church don't ever use either of those words. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably none of their friends use those words where they have to go, huh, what do they mean by that? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, if if you don't end up at an expositional sermon, but you end up having, you know, the beginning part of that, which is an exegetical sermon. It's still better than all the other kinds of sermons, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I, well, you had a good a quote from somebody of what is expository preaching. Wrong. Yeah, a lot of different people have to find it in different ways. But Dever uh, probably most simply says expositional preaching is preaching in which the main point of the biblical text being considered becomes the main point of the sermon being preached. So exegesis... I'm even more confused now. ...is getting... (laughs) ...is the first part of that. The the (laughs) biblical text being considered, when you exegete that text, you are determining what the main point of that, the original author's intention for that text was. And then the second part of that is, is becomes expositional preaching as you are preaching that main point as your essentially the driving force of your sermon. You're not reading a verse, and then uh, even though it means this, I'm going to talk about something else which is tangentially connected to it or interesting to right. me or something like that. Yeah, I I guess I've always uh, sort of two three X's when it comes to reading the Bible. Uh, ex, explanation, or I'm sorry, yeah. Explanation, what is it saying? Exposition, what does it mean? Exhortation, how do I apply it? So in a sermon, you're kind of doing all three of those things. Right. But um, the exegesis is basically mining through the text and discovering context and structure and just looking for the details within uh, a passage of Scripture. You're, you're basically observing it and then being able to retell what is that text saying. And then after that, you say, what does it mean? What did it mean for them then? 
and therefore what does it mean for us now in light of what it meant for them then and so anyway expositional preaching and expository communication of a, a passage of scripture is essentially bringing to light the or exposing really the meaning of uh, the central meaning of a passage of scripture and so as an example we'll give an example of the negative i remember going to a church or i think i was watching online years ago and the guy was preaching you could tell it was a dave ramsey thing on a sunday morning he was doing like financial peace university don't get rob riled up yeah i'm not this is no knock on dave ramsey or anything <laughs> like that this is this is just a an example of what is not expositional preaching <laughs> he was preaching on uh basically financial peace and how being in debt is a bad thing. And he quoted the statement from Jesus, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Of mm. debt. And and exactly, <laughs> free of debt, right. So that was the application. Yeah. So that is an example of missing the actual meaning of what Jesus meant when he made that statement. And because you missed the meaning, you've uh, or really the explanation, the proper explanation, you've missed the meaning and you've created a wrong application. Mm. And everybody in the audience is like, they're feeling like the itch is scratched because the itch is, I need to get out of debt. It's my biggest problem in life right now. I need to get out of debt. And the preacher just validated that. You're right. Jesus also is saying your greatest issue is the debt that you have. And so this is the way to get out of it. It's what you call moralistic therapeutic deism preaching. Oh it's, boy, you have to define each of those terms. It's <laughs> you yeah. can't just throw out a, a, a big <laughs> phrase like that. It's basically uh, dumbing down or lessening what is our greatest need and mm. therefore our greatest how Jesus satisfied that need, right? But I remember just going back. I remember listening to this guy and just ending the video right there because I couldn't stand. <laughs> the fact that he was misquoting Jesus and applying this to like financial peace. Now, don't get me wrong, people should do their best to like not get into, into debt for many reasons. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about being set free from the bondage of sin. And there's only one way to do that, and that's through grace. And so that's a great example of taking a passage of scripture, reinterpreting it for your own purposes, taking it out of its context, applying it somewhere else, and then calling that spiritual, that does not build up God's people. Yeah. That creates moralism. That creates religiosity. Um, it, it, when I say moralistic therapeutic deism, the, the therapy that they're getting in that session is my greatest issue is like this debt and it's causing all of these anger or resentment or whatever. So I really just need to problems. relationship problems. Those are the things I need to get over and debt is the way or you know getting out of debt is the way to solve that no getting right with god is the way to solve that so anyway it's replacing yeah. all of those things but that's the kind of right. preaching that unfortunately plagues many churches mm -hmm. and so yeah and so that's a deism obviously deity it's a teaching about god right and so it's a teaching about god that is simply to give you you know moral actions you should take and therapeutic make you feel better basically right. yeah, feel saying. good about yourself here's, yeah. here's things that make you feel good and teach you the right rules to follow about god which is not what the bible is about which is not what good theology is about 
though good theology should probably make you feel good for sure for sure <laughs> because you should feel loved by god and you should feel the you know gratitude for forgiveness and good mm. theology should lead you to right ways of living um, but we see over and over that that jesus you know how many times did jesus say you heard it said blah 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 yeah but i tell you let's go way beyond that yeah, you heard yeah, this yeah. rule now let's take it way further right and that's really when you do good preaching from the Bible, you get to places like that, yeah. not just a set of rules to follow. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking it was funny. I remember as a freshman in college, I didn't have a smartphone, um, and so I couldn't just look it up. But I was thinking as we were talking about the, that word exegesis, I thought uh, as I was just trying to like figure <laughs> yeah. out what it meant uh-huh. with the context, I thought it had something to do because I could tell people were like when they were referring to it, they were talking about finding like meaning uh-huh. from a Bible passage, and I thought it was exa Jesus, like J E S U S, and I thought like exa Jesus was you would go to a Bible passage and you would somehow like find something that was referring to Jesus and pull that okay. out and hold it up as like, I found the Jesus yep, yep, in this yep. passage. I did exegesis. That's yeah. what I thought it was. Cause I was like just confused and I couldn't just pull out my phone and like Google it real quick to figure out what they're saying. It was all context clues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, exegesis, the, the uh, antithesis of that would be eisegesis, which is reading into a text, something that it is not saying what we like, want it to say, but we want it to say it. Yeah. yeah. And and like this guy with the financial peace thing, he's reading into a passage of scripture what it is not saying. And and so that's what you call reader intent. You have you as the reader have an intent and a bias as you approach the text, whereas exegesis is the author intent. What is yeah. the author trying to communicate to me? And and in many ways, they uh, like we're going through this book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. His first chapter, Mark one of of the nine marks of what creates or demonstrates a a healthy church, is uh, this idea of expositional preaching. But he brings out in that that it basically shows whether or not you're committed to what God's word is saying versus what I want him to say. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, a really important mark yeah. for obviously building a, a healthy church. Mm-hmm. An- um, another example of eisegesis that, that pops into my head it, a long time ago at, at a church I was at, I won't say who it was because it doesn't matter, but we borrowed a series from somebody through the Beatitudes and uh, I realized when you borrowed, what do you mean borrowed? This church, did this it was, person, a, it did was this like person a, know. It was no, it was like a yeah. <laughs> it, it'd be a famous pastor who okay. has a series, and he was marketing the series like okay. a great series for your church to use and your church to use. Sure, buy the books and stock them in your library. You know that kind of that kind of thing. And I remember realizing partway through that he had rearranged the beatitudes, like we they were doing them out of order. And the reason for that is because it was taking them and basically um, putting them in an order that would be the same as a 12-step program. Wow. And so they they literally rearranged the order of the Beatitudes to fit that 12-step program because that's how the series was going to run to help you heal from whatever had been bothering you, whatever you had been addicted to, you know, whatever it was. And I remember thinking, like, that's, like, pretty weird yeah yeah (laughs) that like we changed the bible because we thought the 12-step program would be like the best way 
to help people. Yeah. And we're, so we're, we're really not using, and really that's kind of a bad interpretation of the Beatitudes anyways, saying that these are prescriptions for how to overcome addiction. Well, overcome anything really, any right. spiritual, because they're, I don't think that's what the, the Beatitudes aren't like telling you to act. But the 12 step program Act is. these ways. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I mean. That's the, you took a good idea because the 12 step program has worked for a lot of people. Sure. And so it's probably going to bring healing to a lot of people. But you took it and you forced a Bible passage to fit it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that that's the wrong thing to do with a really good motivation. Right? Yeah, the good motivation people, was we want to help people. And then you kind of did this weird thing to the Bible. <laughs> right. 100%. Right? And that that's, goes back to in, in anything church-related, the means never, the end never justifies the means. Um, you go back to the Old Testament and uh, I forget the guy's name. Now we're in Bible trivia time when uh, he touched the ark when they were Usa. Thank you. I have. And he was, they Usa. were walking. I don't even remember it now that you said it. He, he touched the ark. dude. I'm like pretty certain. Dude, but this is Bible trivia. Even though Bible I trivia. we're not doing that in this podcast, but I guess we are now. <laughs> but you know, you know the story, right? They're transporting the ark. The ark is shifting and the man reaches to touch it or to, to stop it from falling. You think, okay, that's a great thing. He's doing a good thing, but he touches it and he dies instantly. Uza, I was right. Nice. Good job. It's time for Bible <laughs> trivia. No, I'm just kidding. Roll Uza? But the point is, is the end, the end doesn't justify <laughs> the means, uh, even though the end is, oh, I want to see people changed. Right. The, you're assuming that you know the correct means in order to get that person changed by manipulating the scriptures to say what you want them to say. Mm-hmm. And that happens in topical sermons. Um, that happens in, you know, the kinds of sermons you were just describing there. Um, so anyway, it, it, when it comes to expository preaching, there's this conviction that God has authority to speak to his people in the ways in which he has communicated through the varying genres that appear in the scriptures. And so we as preachers um, have a due diligence to communicate the message in which he communicated like you were just saying with the 12 step program as an illustration that'd be like i'm a server in a restaurant and i'm i'm just bringing the dish out to the person sitting at the table but the the, so the chef puts the plate out the chef he or she is responsible for arranging the food in a certain way that looks delicious right or it's the way they want it. But I, as the server, look at it and go, oh, I don't like any of this. And I just start rearranging it <laughs> the way I want to. And then I present that yeah. to the person. And it's obviously not the way the chef wanted it to be done. I have no right to do that. That's not my job. That's not my role. My job is to just bring the food. And in, in a similar way, right, that's what the preacher is doing. Mm-hmm. Like God's word comes. He has the authority to communicate in the way he wants to communicate it. We just deliver what he has said. That's what preaching is, right? There's no, I love he brings up in here in the chapter about how so much, there's a lot of different forms of, (coughs) excuse me, communication and preaching in churches today. And one of them he brought up is like, you know, a couple guys or a couple people sitting on chairs on the stage and it's not preaching anymore. It's just, we're just having a discussion in front of everybody about a passage of scripture and what you're doing is like removing the authority from there or and and removing the i am communicating to you the main point of a passage and instead what that format shows is 
no, we can actually have a dialogue about this and there's no authority anymore um, where in preaching a message goes out, the hearer listens and they respond to that to that message. And if it's done, obviously, expositionally, they're hearing literally from the word of God. God mm-hmm. God's word is being communicated in truth. And that's when the Holy Spirit moves is when God's word is being elevated and communicated accurately. And then people are are their lives are transformed. And and so to to neuter that, I guess you could say that form of the way God's word comes is to essentially remove some of the power and authority that God's word brings to it inherently. Um, But anyway, these are the kinds of things that people, it sounds really good on the surface, but then like the secondary, what is the, what is the subtext of this? What's the subtext of this discussion? What's the subtext of video preaching where I'm just listening to a talking head on a video screen? What, what is the subtext of that? What is the in uh, the undesired effect of of this form of communication and what is the desired effect? These are things that are really important to think about. Um, and, and I think what's good about this discussion right now in light of 2020 in the last two years, I, I would say a huge number of people that we've had come to Cami Christian, uh, th- this has been one of their biggest things do you preach the Bible there? Mm. And I, re- I remember uh, this older gentleman, actually, you're going to have lunch with him tomorrow when he was, <laughs> uh, so I won't say who his name is. Not, but Not when this is airing, though. No. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's going to be months later. Yeah. So weeks ago, when you, had, <laughs> when you had lunch with a gentleman, man, when him and his wife came, they sat down with me. They wanted to have a meeting. And that was one of the first questions was, you know, do you preach out of the Bible? And I think they're, they, they're in their experience, they had not had that. They mm-hmm. had more topical sermons, uh, more socially driven sermons, as in sermons where the topics were driven more by things going on in society than by the text. Um, like we were just talking the other day with someone, what was it, the gospel according to Pixar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's not yeah. good. Yeah. But that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of uh, a pastor friend of ours was a part of a different church where this was a somewhat common practice. By right, they, it would basically preaching series would be determined through topics, and so that's another whole thing we can get into, like topical. What is topical preaching, and stuff like that. But I don't want to derail your point that you're making. So, but you're just saying that when you came to Cambi Christian, that was something people were looking for. Well, not even just when I was coming to Cambi Christian. I'm saying more recently. More recently, I think mm. there's been an awakening yeah. where people have really thought to themselves, what kind of church do I want to be a part of mm-hmm. in in this primary sense, which is coming from the pulpit? Like, what sort of communication are we getting? Um, are we getting topicals? Are we just getting feel-good sermons? Are we getting... Uh, shallow watered down sermons like what are what are we getting from the past or from the pastor and from or from the people who are preaching and i think people god's people want to hear the bible yeah and and so i i think it's incumbent upon the leadership to be preaching god's word because I mean, A, let's just be honest. None of us have really anything good to say. (laughs) We don't have anything that's going to truly help someone. 
but I believe God does, and we believe God does. And so why don't we just say it the way he says it? Now, that takes great faith because psychologists would say, this is what will work. Do these things, yeah. and that will help somebody. Mm. Um, or sociologists will say, say these things in this way. You can't talk about gender like that, even though the Bible does that, because that would be offensive today. So you can't talk like that. And, and so it takes a great deal of faith to say, no, I, I'm actually going to believe God and what he says, and then communicate to that, that to his people and leave the results up to him. And I, I wrote down here on one of my n notes, um, when churches don't do expositional preaching, you may look at their statement of faith and it says they believe the scriptures as the authoritative, inerrant, inspired word of God. It is our final authority in the church. You know, all the great, you know, this is what we should believe about the scriptures. But then I will say the, the James remark, you say you have faith without works. <laughs> Show me your faith by your work, or I'll, I'll know your faith by your works. Right. You say you believe the scriptures have authority, and yet you don't preach them with authority you preach these topicals or you know something on whatever topic in society that that is that day and and it may not be an unbiblical sermon but you're communicating it in a way that the bible itself doesn't communicate it it's not either the genre or that passage of scripture or whatever it is and so i would challenge people to really think through how how is their actual theology of scripture being played out through their through their preaching and the way that they apply that pastorally to people from from the pulpit, but I think that's a really important thing. But what were you going to say about topical sermons? You're going to oh, I was up. just saying we. Well, it's funny. Yesterday, or I should say, months ago, <coughs> when I was meeting with, um, I met with a, a guy here in the church, and his experience over his lifetime uh, was such that he had never really participated in a church, even though he's been in churches since really he was a young, you know, kid. He's never participated in a church where the pastor would just preach through a book of the Bible, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was saying, I was telling Aaron, I'm pretty fortunate that when I became a Christian, you know, basically I had a, a little bit of weirdness here and there throughout, but I was pretty heavily influenced by like Calvary Chapel, mm. who, who are verse by verse. They do generally preach through the text. And yes, they do have, you know, some issues with regard to nuance as far as some eisegesis is happening in there. But anyways, Lots I've always... Of eisegesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it depends on the preacher. It depends For on the sure. sermon. Some, some guys are Some good. sermons are right on. Some sermons are like, okay, I think you're stretching, you know, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. And that's true probably for us, too. I'm sure I've we've preached a few messages and we're like, did I maybe misstep there? And I'm not saying in recent years, but early on, uh, no doubt. But not, all that to say is that my my experience was not the the sermon series coming up is the gospel according to Pixar and it's like we're going to start with the movie Toy Story and the, what is Toy Story about? Oh, it's about friendship. Okay, cool. Let's find two or three verses from the Old and New Testament about friendship and then sort of right. cherry pick and talk about friendship. To me, that's just like sort of absurd but <laughs> but like because that's not my experience and i also like know that that's just sort of just sounds ridiculous but right. the thing is many many churches do that and so i think i was kind of like a little shocked a little dumbfounded by that right. maybe i don't know do yeah. you have more experience with that cody like yeah i mean i think churches i've been a part of have been a mixed bag of that 
because it's it's fairly common that we would have done a series that was Jonah series that was Romans, you know, um, but then it would also be fairly common to do a series that was, you know, something specific to like we're going to do series on finances we're gonna do a series on whatever you know so both of those were fairly common Mm. in the churches i grew up in Mm. but i was saying i think like uh we were talking about this the other day and i was saying because i uh, when i not really preach very many sermons i would get into a situation where we're mid-series and i get you know cody you're gonna talk on friendship and my first reaction was like can we just work together and pick a passage Mm-hmm. about friendship and then usually the pastor would be like well yeah here you go this one's a great one on friendship and then I would sit there and dig into that one mm-hmm. and it was because I always had this like I'm like I don't know I'm, I'm not going to prepare a talk about friendship like I don't feel like I'm the best friend in the world <laughs> you know what I mean like well how am I going to prepare a talk about friendship and it, I naturally was like give me one thing to dig into and I'll just you dissect that and, you know, because we picked one we already know is about friendship, the talk will be about friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, before I even realized it was because I was drawn to this style of preaching, like specifically, let's figure out what this passage of the yeah. Bible says. And probably some of that was, you know, I was in college that was talking about exegesis, even though I didn't know what it meant. You right, know, like, right. so obviously there was some of that stuff was sneak, sneak sneaking through into my brain. Yeah. Um, but I think that same feeling is why it's so common, um, especially among, you know, kind of our restoration movement uh, type churches to have those series that just get passed around. Um, because I think that probably that same feeling, like I can't make up really insightful stuff about friendship. Yeah. So I need something else to draw from. And so if I'm trying to... D- you know, like, so what we end up doing is just drawing from people who are great communicators that make great series. So now I'm going to do the Not a Fan series because that one's really cool. And then I'm going to do the Purpose Driven Church series because mm-hmm. that one was really cool. And then, you know, I'll hit For the Life of the World and I'll hit Restore and I'll hit How to Neighbor. Who, how to Neighbor <laughs> and I'll hit Who Needs God. And, you know, and you just start borrowing them because somebody actually really, really smart put a lot of work into those. Mm -hmm. But I can't do that over and over and over. And then it's like, okay, but what are we doing? Like, (laughs) why don't don't we just go back to the Bible then? (laughs) If we have to find some genius to copy a set of talks he did over and over, like, why don't we just go to the smartest book there is and and dig into that? Um, And a lot of those, what happens is a lot of those topical series – like what they should be is classes, right? Like I think the I think you don't love Andy Stanley, but I think Andy Stanley's Who Needs God series, I think it's awesome. Sure. And, the, yeah, and it's, it, it's about it's a Sunday school class. It's though. about what atheism is and what's the new atheism. The new atheism is a specific set of beliefs. So when you talk to someone about it, you're talking about a specific set of beliefs. And basically, the whole series is Who Needs God? Maybe nobody, maybe everybody. This is what atheism is. This is what we believe. What are the, your obstacles? Like, it's cool. It's a cool series. It'd be a great Sunday school class. And you could see that probably being a, a worthwhile one for people who think they'll talk and interact with atheists every once in a while. It'd be a great Sunday school class. Like, the Pixar one probably wouldn't be a great Sunday school class. <laughs> That'd be a dumb Sunday school class. No for one sure. would want to come to a class about that. And so 
that's me buzzing. So yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's funny that something that wouldn't be intellectual enough to be used as a standalone class could make it to a set of talks for a Sunday morning sermon. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that's kind of the dangerous place you get to when you're trying to entertain. Yeah. Or even in, in youth group, which I spent a lot of time in a young adults youth ministry, you would do topicals on relationships. But, yeah. But for, sure. for a Sunday morning, that's an interesting question too. Like, so, so define what a topical sermon would be. Is there a, a better way to do it, a wrong way to do it? What would you say, Aaron? Like, I, I don't think topicals are like whole, just never do a topical. I mean, you just did one not too long ago, Rob, on prayer. Well, from actually, ne- from Nehemiah. With regard to that specific sermon, and I was saying this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So, yes, we were, I'm going to preach a one off sermon. We're not preaching in Romans. I th- was looking at our, you know, our uh, core values, and prayer right, was one right, of them. Right. But I didn't do like, here's five, you know, helpful things about prayer. And then I like picked multiple things. I basically exposited Nehemiah one. Right, right. Right. So, but it was, so that was an expository sermon from Nehemiah one with, because the main emphasis of that part of Nehemiah was the prayer of Nehemiah. And therefore we were looking at prayer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. is that a topical or is that an expositional I, sermon? I think, I feel I, like that's topical in the sense yeah. that, I mean, you didn't blindly pick Nehemiah one, right? Right. You I wanted to teach thinking. on prayer, so you went to a great set of Bible teaching about prayer. You know what I mean? So that's kind of topical where you are picking something on purpose. True. I, I would it, uh, like yeah. what, true. what would be fully not topical was like Genesis. Right? Genesis. No, we no, went yeah. straight through Genesis and whatever story came was a story we taught on. Yeah, or but, Romans. But, yeah. but that's would, why not all topical is bad. But I would also no, right? say there were times when I was in Genesis where I did what Rob did and I did a topical look at like when I was in Genesis one, two, I mean I preached several sermons in that, so I had the liberty to do a little bit of topical in one of them on like what is God's view of marriage in, you know, Genesis two. And so I, I took the liberty to do that. But I think also in that passage, you know, God is trying to communicate, this is my ideal for marriage. So I think that, but there's a lot going on there, but I, I spent a uh, great deal of time emphasizing that topic on marriage. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that with the Nehemiah prayer text, though, like, I don't think that's the main point of the passage, his prayer. Yeah. I think the main point of the passage is the rebuilding of God's people in their city, right? So something that has to do with that, right? Well, the whole book, perhaps. Exactly. So every story, every episode within within the series, which is the book of Nehemiah, is about the rebuilding and and God using this man, Nehemiah. And and, uh, (laughs) we got a phone call. Oh, is that you? (laughs) and, And so, but you looked at it because in this first episode, this early <coughs> episode of Nehemiah, yeah, which the whole book is has this emphasis of God rebuilding, uh, restoring His people. Um, there is it starts with prayer, mm-hmm. and so that's a good topical look. But I don't think that's the main point of the passage, and yeah. and so that's where I'm saying it's a topical, um, and I don't think it was an expository sermon, though I think there are lessons within that text that you can find about prayer that are 
all over the scriptures, like in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you saw it, the ACTS acronym, it's the same thing in the Lord's Prayer. Um, now, the Lord's Prayer, that if you exposited that, that would be a topical also on prayer, because that's what it is. It's expositional yeah. and topical. But I still think you're expositing that but the section. main point of the of the text is the main point of the sermon. So is that the main point? It's a point. I think that's the main well, prayer. I think that not uh, principles of prayer. That was the title of your sermon. Principles of prayer. It was part. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'm, I'm saying, thinking, I'm I'm talking about. Um, I don't think the that sermon text, on the mount when he when they say like teach us how to pray and then he teaches them how to pray. Oh, okay. I mean, is that not the main point of that section? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that would be expositional and topical, and that's the same thing. Yeah. But in your situation with Nehemiah, and I'm not saying it's a wrong thing what what you did. I'm just saying I wouldn't categorize that as expositional because it isn't the main point of Nehemiah 1. Right. It is, but there are things that you can look at within there topically, theologically, like I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to look at it at the end of See, but uh, well, Romans this, 16. This week, yeah, when you're lo- looking at Romans 16, and I was actually going to ask you about this, is the main point of this text is just to greet a bunch of people he knows. I know, yeah. But, b- but like, yeah, he, and then the second part is the division. He's just going to isolate some stuff into it. I'm, I'm basically going to say, <laughs> what does this passage teach us about the church? But you explain the main point, and then you say, then you, you do the whole David yeah. Helm yep, situation. Yep. So, like, anyways, I don't know. We're getting into the weeds, I think, a little bit yeah. with, with this. I, I think we're just defining what is the difference between, like, a top, like a close relationship between a topical and an expositional sermon, mm-hmm. because if you do a topical but stay in one passage of Scripture, it may still not be an expositional sermon. It's still a topical, where, like, the classic example of a topical sermon is you just grab verses from all over the Bible, take them out of context, right. but then basically cause them to fit your what you want to talk about with maybe friendship, maybe finance, maybe... Well, prayer, you, you maybe may whatever, not even. You know? That's the dangerous. Yeah, but that's you may, topical. Dangerous preaching. for sure. I mean, you could you could grab verses that all relate, and it's biblical, but we're not. But it's not expositional, right. and so that's where that's where I'm saying it's not a bad thing to yeah. do topical sermons. But if it's the regular diet of the church, that's when it becomes, you know, not 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 something that's going to produce health. In, in the church. Like, here's an example. Yeah. Here's a good quote um, from the book about topical sermons. When someone regularly preaches in a way that is not expositional, the sermons tend to be only the topics that interest the preacher. Mm-hmm. So, for example, he, the preacher feels like, man, my church isn't giving good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a five-week series on giving. Uh, or on finances or whatever, and I'm going to include giving in that. Uh, okay, um, I guess maybe you should you could have send an email out or something, but it, it's usually the thing that's bothering the preacher, and so uh, or this is something that he's really passionate about, like evangelism. Um, so evangelism is a great thing, but every single passage doesn't lead to the application of evangelism but yet an evangelistic sort of bent-minded preacher might always twist 
uh, or eisegete evangelism into every passage of scripture. I remember this pastor that uh, I used to be really close with. He had a passion for evangelism and for people to be used by God. He was a motivational speaker, right? He wanted to motivate people to be used and then primarily to be used to go do evangelism. And he remember, I remember him saying, I only have one thing I ever talk about. I could be preaching on the Ark of the Covenant, and I will somehow get that sermon to communicate that people should be used by God and they should tell people about Jesus. And I just remember listening to him going, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Why, I mean, I, I appreciate that you're <laughs> passionate about people being used by God and, and, and evangelism, but, but maybe God has something to say other than those two things in maybe the Ark of the Covenant. You know, maybe there's something about his holiness in there. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know. So I don't know. It was uh, or, or his presence being among his people or whatever. You know, there's a lot of other things. But I just remember f- feeling like, wow, that's a pretty interesting boast to brag about your eisegesis and essentially saying, I've got a message. I know God has a message, but I really like mine more. And so I'm going to communicate yeah. mine over and above what he wants to say. E- even if I say it, I'm going to make mine the main point and the thing that people walk away with. Yeah. And so I think that's a big point. Like he says here, uh, sermons tend to be only the topics that interest the preacher. The other f- side of that, because we're not just talking about the preacher now, we're also talking about the hearers because the people listening to this podcast or you know people who come to a church they also walk in wanting to hear the topics that interest them. Yeah. And so like the other day, there was a a gentleman who came and he didn't say it to me. He said it to somebody that I knew and they related to me that they wished that I had said more or preached a sermon on Roe Roe v. Wade and the thing that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? Like, I mean, obviously I'm really like, I hope that abortion becomes outlawed, you know, like the mm. kinds of abortion that's happening in our country um, <coughs> every single day. I'm, I'm passionate about life. At the same time, though, like if that's not what texts of Scripture were in that day, right. I'm not going to be dictated by what a hearer wants me to talk about. Um, and like over the last couple of years, I think it was whether it was politics or race or government mandates and how should we respond to mandates and these, you know, secular authorities. And like, these are all really important topics, but man, as the pastor, you could be pulled in a hundred different directions because every hearer has a certain cause that they're really excited about. And I do, I do. I remember saying, this is why we do expositional preaching because this may shock some of you, but I don't open up the newspaper on Monday and say, God, what do you want to communicate to your people on Sunday? (laughs) I open up the Bible and say, God, what do you want to communicate to your people on Sunday? And so you can be moved. And, and, you know, we're surprised how often just preaching through the Bible, the topics get brought up when God wants to bring them up, not when I want to bring them up or when a hearer wants to bring them up. And so I think that's important too, is we the hearers also don't have the authority to say even to ourselves or to anyone else what I'm supposed to be hearing. 
like I should be also submitting myself to the authority of scripture of the scriptures by listening to expository preaching as well. And I, and I think those are, those are really important things to, to consider. Cause yeah, me, the preacher, I don't always know what to talk about. And sometimes I'm, I'm falling down the rabbit hole and, and I probably shouldn't be. And I'm leading people down that crazy train. And, but then other people are already on the crazy train and they need to be let off. Mm-hmm. And, and the way back on the tracks is through the preaching of God's word and what he's trying to say. And so I think having God's word as the central role there is, uh, is, is important. Yeah. Well, and God's word is living and active, mm-hmm. right? Like the Bible, like it's yeah. not joking around when it says that. Right. It means it. Like this is useful today. And uh, and that's the point of the expository preaching. We're trying to get at the root of what the message was to a specific people at a specific time. And, and you know, and the, what is it? We pass it through theological reflection. Yeah. And we, you know, adorn it with things that will help people understand it and grasp it Ooh. to communicate it well to a people that are in our specific context. So your, whatever you preached on Sunday, I mean, it should probably have an impact on what you believe about Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. It, it, you don't need to specifically just go, Oh, I'm going to talk about a news thing, you know? Yeah, but yeah. if you're taking the core principle to a specific people at a specific time and trying to bring it over to people who are at this time where whatever is happening around us right now is happening around us right now, then we're going to be talking and thinking about a biblical truth and how to apply it to our current day Mm -hmm. and whatever's happening. So a lot, that's why you say a lot of times, like it feels like our Bible passages, like, whoa, we didn't plan this. How did it line up so perfectly? Well, it lined up so perfectly because we're pulling out the most core basic teaching and principle and trying to figure out what it means for us today. Right. Right. right? And so that's going to end up applying broadly to our time and for each individual in the room, applying very specifically to their time because that's the whole point of the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite books on preaching by my favorite author, not ironically because he's stinking awesome. uh, John Stott wrote a book called between two worlds and essentially saying the, the pastor's job is bringing the world of the text and our world together. And, and that's sort of the, the work, but I, going back to what you were talking about earlier with those, curriculums really what these professionals out there create and then they post on the interweb and then other pastors can download them because they feel like man i'm running out of material uh because they're not looking to the scriptures to give them material they're looking to these other people to give them material i mean and even more mundane things like i don't have a graphic arts department exactly like so i'll just pick this one has cool graphics yeah and i can (laughs) buy it for 250 dollars, and i have you know i don't have to do any more work yeah in order to make that happen like this is a few months but the (laughs) yeah for at least another few months until somebody else does something but the other thing that bothers me about that and why i think that's wrong is you know somebody who's writing this that's living in let's say oklahoma uh or atlanta right? They, they don't live in Canby, Oregon, and they don't know my people. They don't know these people in this church. And so they're writing sort of in the clouds, right? At the 30,000 foot level. But, but the 30,000 foot level doesn't help me on the day to day. 
And so preaching is not just like between two worlds, right? The world of the text and the world of today, but the word of God in front of me and the people that I am talking to. Mm. Like as a pastor, it's your job to know the people that you're preaching to and for them to know you. This person over there states over, doesn't know my, they don't care about them, you know? They, they, in, they care about them in a general way, but they don't know the struggles they're going through. And you, like, if I was living in the South, I would probably be thinking about Romans a little bit differently than up here. Now, I've, I've, I'd be close, but there would be a lot of things that I would be, like, looking at it in regard to application, application right. maybe even an introduction. Okay, let me bring it even closer. If I lived in Portland mm-hmm. and I versus Canby, I, I would be... I wouldn't shallow it out, but I would definitely change the illustrations. I would use things that I think would be more relatable to the people who live in that context. And because it's, it, they're not the same, they're not seeing, they're not dealing with the same issues. And they're similar, but they're not the same. And when you get to know them relationally, that's better to know. And so that's one of the bigger reasons why I, <coughs> man, I have this weird cough. Well, why I don't uh, appreciate those kind of, those kinds of curriculums. Not only do I think it creates laziness in the preaching, and it's built on a foundation of sort of topicals as the main idea, but they're disconnected from what the people are who are right in front of you and what yeah. they're they're going through, and and it makes you know the pastors even relationally lazy because I don't have to get to know the yeah. people here and. I, I, I didn't even know that people did that kind of stuff. I, I remember one of the I've many times I've quoted him, the Dr. Morgan truisms that I learned in school. Um, the truism was thou shalt not steal also includes other people's sermons. <laughs> and I thought, well, like you, you're using the word borrow, right? Borrow this other people's curriculum and they make it available, right? Either for free or for purchase or whatever. But when the people that are listening to you assume that it's yours, and when you take something and communicate it as if you had written it, I mean, that in school, they just call that plagiarism. Yeah. And you get like an F, you know? You may actually even get kicked out of the school for that kind of stuff. Like I, I literally know a guy who told, because it was in the manuscript that he purchased or whatever told a story about his sister that was not a story about his sister oh goodness i believe <laughs> he it. didn't even say i know someone whose sister he just read it my sister just like the person who actuals whose actual sister the story was about wrote it <laughs> it's just like oh my gosh like i believe i believe that i fully believe <laughs> that because not and what that says is not only is this person disconnected from the people they're preaching to they're not even connected to reality yeah. <laughs> in their own minds. I mean, that's that's not even an extreme example. Like, that's a real example of stuff that happens yeah. in churches for sure. But and, then again, yeah. like, I know people, you know, I know a, a pastor who hates the idea of borrowing, buying a bunch, of, doing a series that does, isn't his. But I know that he found a series that he thought, again, he he did the work. He thought this series was going to be helpful to his people in his context and uh and used the series but like basically had to rewrite every sermon 
You know, yeah, like yeah, here's yeah. like a few, here's the couple of passages they used. Here's the main idea. Right. And like, and I remember like watch watching him prepare and he like, it almost made him sick that yeah, he was yeah. even doing this, but he legitimately felt convicted. This was going to be very useful, very helpful, you know, but he again did the work of actually making it about his people with his own, you know, like he, I mean, he wrote a brand new sermon. He with right, that right. person's passages, right. you know, like that kind. Of, that person's picked out the Bible passages well, for him. Essentially, I mean, well, is what I, d- I did something like and that's that before. Different. Yeah, I'm with uh, Sinclair Ferguson and Derek Thomas wrote a book called Ichthus, which is a fancy word for the fish. Um, and they basically went. Uh, it's the the symbol, right? The Christian fish symbol is called the Ichthus. Anyway, they just use it as an an alliteration um, for looking at like the major marks in the life of Jesus, his birth, his baptism, his transfiguration, uh, his wilderness temptation, right? Like the big events. And, uh, obviously then his death and resurrection and all that. Um, and I was like, wow, that's, that's a really cool series. It's like an eight, nine part series, but I, it was a book, but the book was sermons. There were sermons that were put to a book form. But I remember reading the book going, wow, this is really cool, but I would never communicate it like this. So why don't I just go into that passage? And But I used his outline, right? Yeah. But, I mean, many others have done that. I mean, right. Well, that's why I bring it up to yeah. say if you are at a church, say you don't go to our church, and your church is doing a series, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a bad pastor who, right, d- right, who right. doesn't care and is lazy and doesn't yeah. do work. Like people do this. Uh, but what we're saying is something you already said. If that is all you ever get is someone else's series lined up over and over and over throughout the year, the new series from Kyle Eidelman and the new series from Dandy Stanley and the new series from right. uh, the dude from Elevation Church. Right, right. Although he doesn't have series because he never says anything. <laughs> but, you know, he bumps if that, into a blessing every week. <laughs> if, that's, if that's all you're getting then you are probably not at a healthy church. Like, right. you're just probably not. Like, if that's the... you. So, you, I think you said steady diet. Your steady diet should be mm. real Bible passages mm-hmm. that someone takes and understands the context and the main uh, message to the original audience and passes it through, uh, you know, the hard work of understanding what that specific thing would mean to your audience today. Yeah. It, that should be what you get most Sundays. Yeah. And if you're not, right. like, it's probably not helping your church very much. No, for sure. I, I would also say, too, adding to what I was talking about earlier, um, about the preacher sort of hobby horses his topics that he likes if he does topical sermons. One of the benefits. What would you do if you got to just pick the topic every golf. Sunday? Golf, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the gospel according I, to. I really. Tiger, what's, <laughs> that pla- what's that place with Jim Nance? Yeah, Jim Nance. What's like the, honestly, the gospel I, according I was, to Jim Nance, I was being be serious. Awesome. I really don't have anything good to say. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. I literally don't I feel even the know. Same way. I, I, I feel the same way. So, yeah, I. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have. That's the other thing. I don't tell a lot of stories when I preach because my life is really not that interesting, <laughs> even to me. Like I well, feel you like preach every almost every Sunday. Yeah, I'm gonna run out of stories for sure. Like so, yeah, Robert, I we could get up and tell a story because we only have to do yep. it a few times a year. But if mm. we were preaching 48 sermons a year, right? 
We don't have 48 great life stories. Totally. And <laughs> and even if I Not tried yet. to do something like that, <laughs> even if I tried to do something like that, it's sort of strange. It's like, I'm not the most interesting man in the world, you know? Right. Like, how does that, how does an interesting happen to this guy every week? That's so weird, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I don't do that um, because I just really don't have anything to say. So I just get right to the point. And I think people in our rushed day and age appreciate getting right to the point. I you know, know I do. You know what it would be though? It'd be like something funny our kids did. Exactly, which every gets old. week and people be like, I'm so sick of hearing about this guy's kids because that's all our stories. That As really parents, is. It's just yeah. like, oh, my kid did this funny yeah. thing. Well, and when you do that, you alienate a group of your audience. Maybe yeah. their kids are older, they're out of the house. They're like, man, that would have been a cool joke back when I had kids, but I'm over this. I want to hear yeah. about like, I don't know, my retirement home or something. Yeah. Or like my, you know, you just want to hear about different things. Yeah. You know, as you get. Doesn't it take a long time to get to the mailbox these days? I know. <laughs> It's so. <laughs> What's the deal with airplane food? Am I right? <laughs> Why don't they just make the whole airplane out of the little black box? Oh my goodness! <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I don't want to uh, hobby horse on a topic that I want to talk about because um, I really don't have anything to talk about. But the other thing is, there are some subjects that pastors they they like to do these topicals that are really easy evangelism who's gonna argue against a series on evangelism but when you start getting into like what does the bible actually say about sin what does the bible actually say about I don't, divorce and remarriage like because there are passages of scripture that talk about that what does the bible say about um a lot of different subjects that we want to avoid i remember going through genesis and i just kept laughing i felt like in my prayer life because I, when I landed on the text where I had to preach on circumcision, I was like, you know, when people, pastors say, hey, let's do read through the Bible through the year. You don't have a story about that? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I also had, I also Sorry, had. Sorry, that got way too personal. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe TMI. if I had boys, but I had girls. That's so I, I don't have a story about that. Um, <laughs> and even if I did, I probably wouldn't tell it because no one would remember the sermon. They'd remember the illustration. Uh, but anyway, my point is, is expositional <laughs> preaching helps pastors to preach the subjects that they don't even want to talk about. And, and again, going back to sometimes they want to talk about the things that they only want to talk about and expositional preach them, preaching helps them to avoid that error, but it also helps them to avoid the other error, which av is avoiding the, the harder subjects mm -hmm. or just the harder passages of scripture that we don't want to get to like i don't know the book of the 12 the entire minor prophets like you were mm. just talking about uh your brother-in-law their church preaching through amos i mean when was the last time you heard a church preaching through amos or right you know habakkuk or something like <laughs> yeah. that you know they <coughs> they preach in jonah um all, you know there's some that are easy easier to do and people like doing them because they have well-known stories in them and things like that but for the most part a lot of the bible is avoided because it's hard language it's the genre is difficult they're saying hard things um but then there's other pa others that are used a lot because they feel like they're more relatable yeah so they only stay right there like right and you basically end up with a kid's bible like when you flip through your kid's bible and it has yeah it only has 
20 stories in it. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. Or just some people mm. like they preach stories. They're just really good storytellers. And so they only like to preach the stories. They don't want to preach like the Psalms, which is a series that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Or I'm saying that now, but we don't want to. We're like currently in. <laughs> we're currently in. We're yeah, currently not as we're re- recording the podcast, but we're currently in it as this one drops. Oh. But the point is, <coughs> um, geez, this cough is just totally annoying me. <coughs> Sorry. Is it forces us into passages of scripture, but when we communicate to our people, hey, read through the Bible, and then they read through the Bible, and they come to these really weird passages of scripture what is it communicating indirectly uh the subtext of of our not preaching through these passages of scripture and yet they read them and they think is there something like i'm missing here with this circumcision thing because it keeps coming up over and over and over again all throughout the bible like i'm just seeing this theme and i'm wondering what that means and yet you know they've never heard it preached on before And so they want to hear preaching on like politics or they want to hear preaching on these things because they're like, oh, I don't hear enough about that. But when was the last time you heard about an actual biblical theme uh, preached through those things? So anyway, I think it's important for us to do that. So we're not skipping over really significant portions of Scripture. Um, I, I mean, even going through Romans, I had a friend say to me, like, did you feel intimidated by Romans? And I'm like, well, of course I did. So what? Like that, that doesn't, that's not going to stop me from getting into mm-hmm. a book of the Bible. Now I am intimidated by revelation. And so <laughs> I, I have avoided it for a moment. There you go. Um, going to have to preach through it soon. Eventually. Yeah. I have to, is that your goal? Is your goal to preach through every book of the Bible before I, you die? No, definitely not. Numbers. Nope. I have no, are you going to attempt like, no, I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to keep preaching through the Bible. I don't right, know when right, it will right. end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're closing in on an hour okay. f- we for should our Healthy Church podcast discussion. episode two, really, but it was our first mark. Uh, what are we looking forward to? What's coming up? What's our next mark of a healthy church? The next mark is the gospel, gospel. doctrine, mm-hmm. which is in the new book, this new fourth edition, is a combination of of what were two marks before, which was looking for a church that had a good gospel doctrine and also good biblical theology. So they're basically combining biblical theology. So what are the overarching arc storyline of scripture? And then, you know, having a good understanding of the gospel. In other words, they don't preach a social gospel, a Uh, prosperity gospel or any of these things they have a good understanding of god our sinfulness and jesus our savior and anyway all that stuff so that is mark two we're getting into that next looking forward to it awesome see you guys then Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.